What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 54. Today, we are talking about water. Oh, yeah. Water. Water is important. It is important. But better yet, we are in our studio finally today. Yes, if you're welcome. watching this, you're seeing a new backdrop for us. Uh, it's been months of working on this <laughs> It doesn't look like much, but it took forever. <laughs> it does. We completely redid our whole basement, actually. We like ripped out carpet, put down new floors. Um, got this sign was like such a pain to, oh, to get yeah. it set up and ready oh, yeah. to go. So, but yeah, we're here and now it's awesome. Yeah. And for those it's that worth the wait. And for those that just listen to us, I'll just get set the scene for you. We are sitting at a table again, but it's a very cool table. It's a live edge table with Yes. A giant neon sign behind us. So if you're listening, maybe pop on YouTube once in a while and uh, check out the new studio and let us know what you think because yeah. we're pretty excited about it. And this table is from a local company in Boulder. Yeah, too. and it's recycled ash wood, actually. So. so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. What's the name of the company? Um, <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, it's like Colorado Mill and Steel or something like that. So I can link it below. But as well as uh, who made the custom neon sign for us because, yeah. yeah, it's it's a beast. But yeah, hopefully you guys like the new studio. We we are really enjoying it so far. Hopefully it's not too dark in here, but... <laughs> no, I don't think it's too dark. I think it's a mood. The glow of the sign, right? Yeah, I like it. And now we can have guests. And so hopefully we'll have guests pretty soon. We actually have some in the works here. So. We do, we do, which will be really exciting. We're really yeah. pumped to, you know, step outside the normal way we do things on the podcast and... Get some other than Get some other here. perspectives in here. <laughs> Because I'm sure you guys might be tired of hearing from us, but today we are really excited to talk about, like Kendall said, water and more importantly, the secrets of water, why it's so important, as well as uh, what uh, fluoridation is. If you don't know what that is, fluoride in water and what, you know, all the controversy controversy around that, which today a lot of you might find this controversial because it is a controversial topic. Uh, the fluoride one is as well as the pineal gland, which and how fluoride affects that and what even is that exactly. Um, so we'll be talking about all of that today. But before we get into things, I first wanted to thank all of our supporters out there for all the love and support. The past couple of weeks have been pretty hard for us personally. And we do appreciate all of your guys' patience and just love and support you've shown us. Yeah. Uh, we, we send it right back to you guys. And uh, also, I wanted to thank our patrons because they were literally the ones that helped us fund yeah the construction of all this as well as all the equipment and everything. Seriously, guys, thank you guys so much. There's hundreds of you that have been patrons, um, maybe even over a thousand now. So we really appreciate all of your uh, support and allowing us to do this. <laughs> yeah. Cause so many of our episodes are still getting demonetized. Like it happens almost every episode or at least every other, a lot of the serial killer ones are, yeah, it's not, you know, <laughs> ones that are pushing it. Um, well, so, and conspiracies and now is like a huge thing with YouTube and oh yeah, they are not digging the conspiracies. And we get thrown in the same bucket, even though Shane just did one, but <laughs> I know, but they'll let Shane do it. Right. But, but it's Chuck E. Like Cheese Shane. conspiracy as I know, well. <laughs> I know. We're talking about literally how the government might be poisoning <laughs> us through our water supply. That's so true. Well, this is important shit. And you got to hear this. Like, it's crazy that they don't want this to be heard, this kind of stuff. But um, hopefully this episode doesn't get flagged. <laughs> we'll see. We haven't had a great streak lately with that. Um, but well, thank you guys so much. And yeah. uh, I wanted to do a patron question because I haven't done one in a few episodes. But this one is from Brittany. Longtime stellar patron, by the way. Thanks, Brittany. 
But this is a long but important personal question. She said, do you think the social child services and foster system is corrupt or is lack of funding? As a person that grew up in and out of foster homes, now that I'm older, I think about some of these foster parents and can't understand how they were ever approved. So many stories of strange disappearances and assaults on kids, and those stories are buried. Would you guys ever feel comfortable researching and doing a podcast about this system? I absolutely would. I would love to do that. Um, I know some things about it, but definitely not that much. Um, but from what I have seen, there's so many cases that are just so disappointing of kids ending up in the wrong hands. And sometimes kids over and over and over the same kids Mm -hmm. are getting bounced around. And I mean, the main problem here is that people are getting paid to have foster kids, which makes sense. Like you're doing a really nice thing and taking a child in and they have expenses. So, you know, you get some money there, but it's not that much. And some people don't end up spending it towards their, that child at all. Um, which is the sad reality of it. They get the child just to get the check. It's like, becomes like a weird side job kind of. Yeah. In, in basic terms, there's just not enough oversight on the program itself. I don't believe in any County state, Um, Or even I don't know what it's like in other countries or what their systems are like, but I know here in the U.S. it is very um, lax almost. And, you know, obviously they try to do their best to put kids with good parents. But at the end of the day, there are people out there that are taking advantage of every government system or any sort of, you know, system or resource like this. And I feel bad for uh, a lot of foster kids that have to go through these traumatic experiences because being a foster kid is already traumatic enough, you know? Yeah, so for sure. But on the flip side, I grew up knowing a foster family that had a bunch of mm-hmm. foster kids and they were awesome. Yeah. Uh, they lived on a farm and they treated all the kids like their own. I think they ended up adopting a few of the kids as, as well. And it was just a loving environment. And to, there's a lot of foster kids that do get lucky enough to find great families like that, that actually mm-hmm. care and really do a good job parenting and trying to, you know, love on you and, and support you. So yeah, I have family friends that have been in foster, you know, that have fostered kids and adopted and, you know, did it for the right reasons, obviously, because they love children and want to help. But unfortunately not everyone does. And yeah, a lot of things get missed. But to answer your question, Brittany, I would absolutely want to do an episode about the foster system, the adoption system. I mean, there's a lot of interesting cases, you know, kids getting snatched out of hospitals, things like that. You know, that one uh, where twins are being torn apart and separated. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things that could be brought to the surface, brought to light more than it is Mm -hmm. that we could cover on on the show, which is obviously something that we try to do with today's theme, you know, about water and stuff is we're trying to take things and find topics that, you know, a lot of people don't hear about because the mainstream media and other news sources don't really talk about it that much because there is a lot of fucked up shit to it. But, you know, there's not, there's not anybody really doing anything about it. And so it's kind of just sitting in the shadows. And so I I like this opportunity to bring things like that to light so everybody can at least know about them. I think everybody has a right to know about the quality of these systems and, and such. So I think it's a really important topic. So we'll definitely have to do that. I agree. We should do it. But let's jump right into today's uh, first news story. Uh, Scientists are hoping artificial intelligence can help identify and rescue child victims of sex trafficking via an app and more than a million crowdsourced pictures of hotel rooms. So basically, 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. I've actually heard of this app. It's really cool. Hotels 50 K is what it's called. Cause so much, so much, uh, human trafficking ends up in hotel rooms or they do pictures in hotel rooms or something. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And so a lot, that's how they, they scan the background of like child pornography images and then match it with a hotel. And then sometimes you can match it with a room and basically connect it right with the guest that was there. Hopefully, hopefully that's um, the goal because I think yeah. a lot of hotels are like that where you can really identify where it's from yeah, because the they kind of all have a theme and stuff. So it's yeah. really a smart idea. Mm-hmm. Um, they launched this app in 2016. The goal is to try to collect uh, photographs of 50,000 hotels around the world. Um, because obviously human trafficking, sex trafficking is a global issue. It's not just a U.S. issue. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I honestly, one app is probably not going to solve the problem, but it's interesting that artificial intelligence could be a real big help here in processing yeah. all these images and data and things like that. Well, it's just another example of the good and the bad side of anything, but artificial intelligence for sure that there are things like this, that, you know, it's really, really useful and amazing that we can do this. And then, you know, at the same time, it's a little freaky. <laughs> it is a little freaky. Yeah. But, um, but somebody has got to do it. And at the end of the day, you know, if these private entities and companies are trying to help tackle a major problem, I mean, 4.5 million people in are in sexual slavery around the world. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an astonishing number. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's probably far more than that. So if there's, you know, a way that the ordinary person can help by just taking pictures of their hotel room or whatever and uploading it to an app where, you know, artificial intelligence can then scan through all of those pictures that are uploaded and start making matches from, you know, advertisements and things like that, wherever these human traffickers advertise, you know, and try to start making rescues from it. I mean, that's the ultimate goal is to rescue yeah. people that are stuck in, you know, human trafficking. So, yeah. I think it's really an important issue. Obviously, you know, Kendall and I work with Thorn, and, you know, they do a lot of these same types of things, probably work on the back end for these guys in some way, shape or form, you know, yeah. helping them out. I'm sure I've actually heard. I'm pretty sure I heard them talking about the idea for this or the technology of this before. Um, so, yeah, this is called traffic cam. Traffic with a K at the end. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, I think I said the. I think I think I said it was hotels fifty k. Yeah, no, hotels fifty. The app is actually called Traffic Cam. Yeah, yeah, okay. The other thing related to this topic that I wanted to talk about that was really crazy, and honestly, I, I didn't see that much coverage of it. Is more than one hundred and sixty people were arrested in the Super Bowl human trafficking operation. That's crazy. A massive operation was underway right before the Super Bowl happened in Atlanta. A total of 169 people were arrested during an 11 day FBI led human trafficking operation. Wow. It's it's honestly crazy. A bunch of different agencies were involved with it. Uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children uh, were involved as well. And it was announced that they rescued 18 victims of human trafficking, including nine juveniles and nine adults. It's insane. Of the 169 arrests, 26 people were alleged traffickers and 34 suspects were allegedly people attempting to engage in sex acts with minors. Oh, God. The youngest victim they rescued was 14. So why does this have anything to do with the Super Bowl? I'm confused. Because the Super Bowl literally is like a huge business day for human traffickers because all these people are flooding to this area in these hotels and they can take advantage of that and get a ton of business that way. So they got that many people in one day over 11 days. They arrested that many people. 
169 arrests. So they were probably doing a sting on various hotels or uh, one particular hotel and just grabbing people. And that it's what's crazy about this is it's so it happens so much, which is scary that there's enough customers and people that want to engage, especially in sexual acts with minors that they were able to nab 169 people. That's astonishing. That's a lot of people. That really is. And what was even crazier is I ended up seeing, I think there was at least one or two Twitch streamers, like young guys, like 20, 20 some year old dudes that got arrested and they like got blown up on, on Twitter and social media about, because they literally identified who they arrested. And I'm pretty sure they're arrested for like trying to engage in uh, sex acts with a minor. Don't quote me on that, but you can go Google it and see who the actual individuals were. But it's really crazy. It's people that we probably know, you know, I mean, not us personally, yeah, but, but like, it's you know not, what I mean? Yeah. It's not some like creepy guy somewhere in a different country. You know, it's not, it's not more average people are involved in this shit than you think mm-hmm. like people you wouldn't expect. No, it's not all these like anonymous nefarious individuals that, you know, yeah. it's literally people that Wearing we are in contact mask. with every day. Even right. it's crazy. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting and, and wanted to bring that up. Cause I don't think we talk about uh, that enough. The other story that I have is, is not good news, unfortunately, but essentially the number of insects in our world are literally headed down a path to extinction. So scientists are, are reviewing this data and coming to the realization that we are literally being threatened with a catastrophic collapse of the nature's ecosystems. Oh my God. That's really freaky. Which people don't even realize like how, what that means. And you forget about, you know, an ecosystem and the food chain and how big it is and how if one part of that gets up. taken out, the whole thing goes downhill. It's absolutely insane. So more than 40% of insect species are declining and a third are endangered. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize it was that many. I knew it like we had a major problem with bees because that's what everyone Just talks one, about. But yeah. I haven't heard, but I think bees it's, it's because it's a keystone species, correct? Yeah. And it's uh moss, butterflies, things like that, that are going out too. Okay. And beetles. There's a ton of different insects Jeez. that play a vital role in the ecosystem. And if they disappear, then no one's fulfilling that job. And a mm-hmm. lot of plants rely on insects plants to pollinate die. them. Right. It's a chain reaction. Plants yeah. die. Animals are already on the decline. Yeah. So animals that eat the plants can die. Right. Exactly. It's falling at a two, uh, 2.5% a year. Oh my God. Scientists are saying the planet is at the start of a six mass extinction in its history with huge losses already reported in larger animals that are easier to study, but insects are by far the most varied and abundant animals. Oh, this is so sad. This sucks. Cause it's like, uh, what the fuck? it's like, what do you do though? You know, what know. are we supposed to do? Can we even stop a six major extinction event? So basically they're saying, unless we change our ways of producing food, insects as a whole go down the path of extinction and we lose that. We don't get food, but they're actually saying that a main driver of the declines is particularly the heavy use of pesticides, which has gotten Mm. more and more popular, especially with needing to, you know, create mass amounts of food. You do need pesticides to help keep the insects off, you know? Yeah. When you're making that much which we'll talk about a little bit too, as far as pesticides getting into the water and stuff. But there's just all these factors that are mm-hmm. playing into this next mass extinction event. And they're saying that literally it could be 50 years, only half left. And then up to hundred years, we may have none. So a hundred years from now, there may be no insects on, on the earth. That's honestly terrifying. 
And, and that's the more I keep reading about these different things about, you know, the environment and, and all of the, all these different studies that are being done. It's, it's absolutely insane that we're not taking this more seriously than I we know. are. We're literally sleeping on we wouldn't even have this to, whole issue. To make that, like, I think people get so afraid of the idea of like, someone's going to come to them and like make them get solar panels and force them to be vegan. And like, they're overwhelmed at how bad they are right now. <laughs> like how, how many things that we are currently fucking up our environment with our own lifestyles. You know, it's Which hard to all look at us. yourself. Yeah. All of us are. At the end of the no day, pretty not. much everyone's like affecting it in some way. But if we approached it, I think in a more rational way, a more approachable way where we can work together with other people, right? you know, don't threaten everybody that you have to become a vegan because most people are going to be like, Oh my God, I'm not even going to listen to this and just shut down. Like just lowering the, just changing the way we do factory. Well, completely eliminating factory farming, lowering the amount of meat we're consuming. Um, cut it. I personally cut out red meat and, um, pork. And that's been really good for me personally. I think finding your own You've just cut down a ton just on the amount, just from me. Meat in general, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that it's little steps. Checking where it's from, like, yeah, it's little steps. And um, supporting, you know, supporting good farms that do it right and do it the way that should be done. And as as opposed to these big giant corporations that mm -hmm. own all these factory farms, like you said. So there's there's a lot of different things that you can do. And not just food, Just thinking, sorry, another just thought. You can get... um, there's tons of like, in particular, there's an Etsy shop. I just found, I can't remember the name of it, but if you type in like seed, a seed bomb on Etsy, there's like specific ones that are for bees or for certain bugs and you can plant them in your yard and help the population that way. Um, there's plenty of like bee specific plants that'll help their, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that stimulate thrive. the environment. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an idea too, but I mean, I it's, it's hard. Endless it, feels, ideas. it feels very overwhelming. But until we start at least talking about it and making right. like small dents and in, in, in the way that human life has, you know, what we've gotten used to, we're going to have to change because this isn't going to go on like this forever. Like no. that's the reality staring us in the face is if we keep ignoring it and we keep doing everything the same, we're going to end up with no planet. Or an inhabitable one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the planet's never going to go away, but it's going to become end up inhabitable. Fucking dead. Let me just put it that way. So, <laughs> Mass extinction. That's yeah, what that really means. It's really scary. So, all biological life on Earth ceases to exist. And, you know, I don't want to sound like doomsday is coming or anything, but these scientists are literally like blaring it in, in our ears and in front of our faces yeah. with, with these studies that they're doing. And they're all coming back telling us very negative things about the direction that our ecosphere is headed i mean the whole and it's it's sad because it's the one thing in this entire planet that we live on that we should be caring about as Mm -hmm. opposed to any material possession we have anything else that we need to survive it's like we should be looking at the planet the air the the animals the you know everything that we need to sustain life and especially the water that will as we'll talk about today so it's like i don't know but it's like what do you do when nobody else seems to be listening or paying attention. I mean, I don't know. It's it, other than talking about it. I think talking about it's a good step and just getting the conversation started and Yeah, talking to your friends, talking to your family about like, you know, ask them if they fucking recycle. If you're and not recycling just, then- and being like, I, I think being less on the attack about it. Yeah, like, so aggressive. If you're, it, it's awesome. If you're like, 
passionate about the environment and want people to like, look at what they're, you know, look at their lives and see where they can make changes. But like, if you, if you like shame them into doing it, it's not going to go very fucking well. So no, I mean, that's uh, and I know a, a lot of people do that. So, oh yeah, I think that's a good place to start too. It's just it's the same thing with politics too. It's yeah. like, we got to be, stop being so aggressive of one another. Yeah. Listen yeah. and, and you understand know. that we're, we, have come to, we are at this place in our world because we've, we've done this for so long. Like this is the way we have things set up. The so past 200 years. Stuck to, they're stubborn. They are going to be stuck to their ways. We're creatures of habit, so right? We can't just like be angry at people for being raised a, a certain way or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think the only thing you do is have open and honest conversation about it and be just open-minded about mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. you know, both sides and try to f- figure it out together, you know, cause at the end of the day, all we, we all have is each other. Here. And yeah. if, you know, it's not going to end well for any of us, if no. we can't get along and figure some shit out, cause yeah. there's not going to be anything left to figure out Agreed. <laughs> except for those rich enough to, to blast off to another planet. But anyways, let's, let's get into talking about water here. But first I just want to thank our first sponsor today. All right. <laughs> Water. Speaking of water, I need some water after I that one. Say, Jesus. Mm, I love water. <laughs> Nothing better than a nice cold drink of water when you're really thirsty. Well, you know why that is. Because your body's at least 2% dehydrated and that's why you're thirsty. And we're fucking made up of like 70 to 90% water, which is exactly kind of baffling, honestly, that we're composed yeah, of that. That is kind of baffling. And when you think of water, it's, it's literally the lifeblood of the planet. Like the earth is covered by about 70% of water, which I think is for a reason. I mean, I think if you believe that the earth is a living conscious being entity, that it's probably has some type of lifeblood to it flowing through it. And what do you know? What is that? It's water. You know, when you look at all of the rivers, like from, uh, an aerial map. Have you ever looked at like rivers and how they look like veins? Yeah, they do. And how they empty into different, you know, lakes and rivers and, and the oceans, obviously. So it it really does look like, you know, the bloodstream for the planet is the oceans and it's flowing all over the surface, which water, what's the chemical composition of water? H2O. (laughs) H2O, one oxygen atom, two hydrogen atoms. I hate chemistry. Honestly, that's about all I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know those basic atoms, (laughs) hydrogen, oxygen. But as humans, if we lose as little as 2% of the water in our body, we become thirsty. At 10%, we start to hallucinate. And at 12%, we die. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. God. That's how much we need it. Every time you're thirsty, I keep thinking about though, like every time I'm thirsty now, since I learned that, I'm always like, oh my gosh, I got to fill back up that 2%. Like how much? do I need? I don't know. It's crazy. Sometimes I feel like I'm way past 2%. And I'm like, you know, have you ever been at that point where you're almost like hallucinating because you're so thirsty? Um, I haven't been, but I, I believe that you have since you never drink water. No. This man is like, how do you Especially not drink at water? school? Like when I was in high school, it was the worst. I, I was like the only person that didn't bring a water bottle around. I would go all day without drinking anything. That's horrible. Like I wouldn't use the bathroom at all. I, I before like when I'd wake up and then I'd literally go through my entire eight, 10 hour school day 
and then maybe drink some water at like basketball practice or something. But uh, if I didn't have practice, then I would wait till I was like home eating dinner. Oh, and I'm like, oh, God. God, I'm so thirsty. I was the girl that like carried around a big Nalgene with like stickers on it. Oh, and yeah. had Like lemon and ice and a straw in there. Maybe some stevia. Mm, yum. <laughs> but then they banned water bottles at my school. Yeah, because fucking kids. They were bringing in vodka. Can you, <laughs> that's so bizarre to me now. Like when I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, people are bringing in vodka. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, who the fuck brings vodka to class? Like who? Why? Like why? Ew. Why oh, would you want to be chug back on some fucking vodka? <laughs> like how do you even hide that face? Or I mean, or the smell like. My face, I shake when I drink vodka. I like can't even contain it. I like seriously shiver. though. Who's like taking swigs yeah, out of their Nalgene like, oh, with hell vodka? Yeah, getting fucked up in math. Oh yeah, <laughs> fractions to, to just get caught by the teacher because your breath <laughs> so reeks of vodka. Stupid. I don't even know. Like I'm like really. So none of us can have fucking water because some idiots want to drink vodka in class. Yeah, I wonder if schools do. do I wonder if schools still like enforce that or yeah. you, should guys, you should let us let know us guys know. if you're in high school. Are you allowed to have water? Yeah, high school and middle school and stuff. I wonder if you can have water. Dude, I used to want to bring a camelback. I used to know kids that brought camelbacks to class. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. But as we get older, our daily water intake increases, um, which is interesting. It starts at age 30. So if you're not drinking enough water when you know, you're know you pre-30, then you got to drink a lot more in order to because you're the concentration of water in your body declines at a pretty quick rate. I think that's kind of why you get shriveled up and stuff too. Why you die. Yeah. So like, what if you just drink a shit ton of water? Like what if the key to staying young is to like have an IV that constantly pushes water into you? Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like bouncy and shit. I know it kind of makes sense though, that it would, it would be like that. But what's crazy is that the, so on the planet, obviously we can't drink salt water and fresh water is the only type of water that we can drink. And we actually only use about 10% of our freshwater sources because 90% of it is frozen in Antarctica. There's also a lake in Russia that contains about 20% of the world's freshwater. Hmm. But the, and the problem is, is like we're wasting all that freshwater because all the Antarctic ice is melting and just going into the ocean, contaminating yeah. our water supply. What if we lose that 10% and we have no fresh water and, and, the only way to we can, you know, desalinate salt water. But yeah, can we do that? We can. But I, I always hear it's way too expensive. It takes too much energy. Like, mm. I don't know if we found a really like But if we were absolutely dying, if we were a bunch of parched fools, <laughs> could we do it? Yeah. If every if everywhere became like a desert bowl, like wasteland. like Yeah. Like we still have the ocean. If we had technology still, I think we could. Yeah. But could it be enough to. No, I mean, it would be like the richest people get it. That's the problem. Right. Yeah, not so good. And the statistics right now, as far as like people have water, there's still like over 2.1 million people that don't have water. That's so horrible. It's like, it's so, God, sometimes when you like realize that some people don't even have water, like such a basic clean water, it feels like a right to me. You know, I've always had, I've never not had water when I've needed it. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to be talking about like how shitty our tap water is and, mm. you know, the water that we get. But at the end of the day, at least we can drink it and not yeah. get sick instantly yes. and die. Yes. Versus people in other countries, especially developing countries, they that don't have purification systems at all. Like, yeah. Imagine what they, they drink and sick. bacteria and everything well, just else. That's when you go it. to Mexico, like you can get 
mad diarrhea there. Yeah, you could, yeah, you're told not to drink the water in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, you get sick as fuck. I mean, is that even true still? Like, I wonder if it's still true. That I think it is the it. whole like Montezuma's revenge thing. You're not supposed to drink the water. Hmm. It was like Don't that in other countries we went to as well. Didn't Brad Paisley just make a song like that? Actually, that was probably like five years ago in my head. I like feel like it just came out anyway. <laughs> but anyway, we absorb a lot of water uh, when we shower and bathe as well. That's so interesting. I was, um, well, I take baths, like a ton of baths. And so, you absorb a lot of water. Yeah, I probably do absorb a lot of water. And I put um, magnesium salts in there, like magne- extra magnesium Epsom salts. And so that my body can absorb the magnesium. That's actually a way to, because most people aren't getting enough magnesium, like m- the majority of us. Probably me. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> aren't. I try to put the spray on him and he's like, my, it stings. That stuff I put on your legs, that was magnesium spray. Oh yeah, I don't like that shit. I know. It's it's intense. But um yeah. Which is explains so why you pee when you're at the pool. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Every time like, I'm in the bath, I have to pee so bad. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I've only been in here 20 minutes. Why do I have to I just peed before I got in here? It's because you absorb it through the skin and then your, you know, bladder fills up and you're Yeah. Gotta pee. It's so interesting. It is. We're like SpongeBob. We, we are. We really are. We're like a sponge. And that's what's so interesting about it is water is such an essential part of, of our existence as humans. But just everything that has to do with life at all requires water. And water is the only substance that can be found in all three states, liquid, a solid and a gas, which is interesting as well. Mm-hmm. It's also the most powerful solvent in the on Earth. What's really crazy to me is that like the fact that water can travel through plants with like tons and tons of pressure. Isn't that interesting? Like you look at plants and if you've never thought of plants as being like a living organism or being like really alive, when you peel back some plants, it looks like they have straight up like veins where these waters mm-hmm. flowing up like through. straws yeah straws exactly yeah depending on the size of the plant too it's super interesting i've learned so much about i've gotten really into plants in the last year um, i'm like a huge nerd i just look like spend my time on my phone reading about different plants and some of them it's so interesting how they're set up and how the water gets through and they're also like different it's amazing. And yeah, like, like you were saying the pressure that it can literally like, you know how sometimes it'll be like a dandelion, like coming out of the sidewalk, like on a crack or, or something. weeds, just weeds, weeds in general, or have that. Out, like kind of t- towards the side of the, the road, the asphalt and stuff. It can, it can push its way through because the water, it's the water that's pushing. Yeah, it's its way creating that, that pressure point. behind it to pop through like, yeah. like in our, in your yard or like when I go and pull weeds in the yard, I'm like, how the fuck did this plant get through like this weed protector? Yeah. It's like this, pretty tough material like you need a knife to cut it usually and this plant just like fabric busted right through it and you're like how it's amazing there's no containing plants they just always find a way Mm -hmm. to break through yeah it's really interesting it's really interesting like for example in one seed there's over 400 atmospheres at the second it is germinated that's so interesting get listen to that again guys 400 atmospheres that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really crazy how much pressure they have behind them. What's also interesting is that water is actually able to sense its surroundings. When foreign objects get close to a molecule, the water will react in a way that the object actually leaves behind their mark in the water, which kind of an example of that is when you jump into a pool you know, the mark that you leave behind mm-hmm. once you go under the water, you know, you or leave. like dropping in like a, just a water drop, even right. how it creates like a ripple. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
What's interesting is that back in the 60s in a German lab, there was an assistant who dropped a sealed vial which contained poison into a container of distilled water. She was super embarrassed, so she decided to just leave it like this wasn't on purpose to leave the vial of poison in the water, not say anything. Three Um, days later, it was discovered because of the fact that the poison was sealed up. They didn't think it would pose any kind of harm. So they used that water to give it to some mice and experiment. So it was a bunch of scientists in a lab just randomly working uh, with water and, and this chemical or this poison. And they gave this water to the mice and they soon died. But they were like, how is that possible? Because they still had the poison and it was in the container sealed. In the vial sealed. Yeah, exactly. So they decided to test the water and it showed that it was completely clean. So when they actually looked at the water, they expected it to be like, oh, the poison must have leaked out and changed the properties of the water. But it was not. It was Mm -hmm. completely clean. So this meant that somehow the water was able to adopt the properties of the poison without changing its chemical makeup, which is just fucking like That's magic. Like so interesting. Isn't That's it? really cool. Which when talking about some of these experiments, like obviously they, pro- they probably didn't test this over and over and over again, at least as far as what I know. But it is interesting that something like this could even happen in the first place. So it, it does make you wonder about what's actually happening with water. And this led to the conclusion that water has some type of memory. That's fascinating. Many experiments have shown that water makes an imprint of anything that's in the space around it. Water molecules join together in groups and they form little clusters. These clusters would only be able to survive a short amount of time because the molecules are constantly joining a group and leaving a group. However, the structure is able to hold up because a second molecule leaves and another one is coming in. This would make it so that the structure would be able to last a lot longer of a time, which suggests the water is able to record and store information. Wow. So it's almost like a memory bank. That's so fascinating. It make, it definitely gives like a whole new meaning to water being like alive. It does. I, I mean, when no you, way. yeah, if it actually has a memory. So, so some people believe that either information itself is made up of water or information is actually can be stored within water. So it's like, you know, what are what are some examples of that? And one was, you know, a sculpture that has not been created yet, yet is still present within the clay, you know, but it's still it's there. And obviously somebody's making it. But, you know, does that make sense? Like the sculpture is is contained within it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. It it does kind of it to me, it kind of seems a little bit mystic, like water having some type of conscious memory of some sort. Yeah. Which it definitely gives it like a spiritual sense to it. Yeah, especially in this particular case. So in Japan, there's an island called Okinawa and the people there that live on that island live a very long time, like much longer than uh, Americans uh, typically live or any other people in the world. And they believe that or, you know, some scientists that have studied this island believe that because they drink the water that, um, comes from where all this coral is, which is like 600 million years old. They believe that the coral has imprinted the water with information on longevity. And therefore when they drink the water, they are getting their bodies are receiving that information about longevity from the water itself. And they're basically communicating with one another. So I don't know. It's a really interesting uh, idea for sure. And another kind of example similar to this is, Back in 2005, a group of scientists went to a specific place in Venezuela called Rarema, 
to get samples of what they believe is the only water on earth that has never come in human contact. So this is 100% water that's never been touched by humans in any way, shape, or form. So it's completely natural. And they took, they took samples of this water and they actually, they actually went back into a lab and took a look at it. And what they found was that compared to regular drinking water, it showed that this water from Rarema had 40,000 times more active energy than regular water. So interesting. Which you can test water's energy levels. It, it does have energy that can be measured. Wow. That's incredible. Isn't that interesting? That really is. I had no idea. So, yeah. So they discovered that this water from Rarema had a, in a tremendous energy field and it was just far more active than any sort of water that they had that they were drinking uh, back at home. So this kind of leads you to the idea that if water is is alive and truly does have energy to it, that then is transferred to our bodies and to every other living organism. Is it possible for water to die? Do you think water can die? If it can live, then can it die? <laughs> That's a really hard question. I mean, I guess if we really think it's alive, then it must be able to die as well, right? Yeah. Or and I mean, some things are immortal. Or you could think of it like the energy levels decreasing to a point that there, it's like there's useless. no, yeah, there's no. I don't really know if I like, want to say that it's dead. Like that just sounds weird, but like de energized, deactivated or something. Deactivated. Right. That makes more sense to me. Like then to like deceased dead water. You're like, what? Yeah. Like like uncleansed or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Dead doesn't really sound, I get what they're trying to say, but yeah. (laughs) But people and researchers that have looked at water and and energy levels of water have um, come to the determination that they believe that water can die if it's treated poorly, which is interesting. And I'll talk about more in a minute, but it one is of really the, interesting. One of the things that researchers believe attributes to water sort of dying is the fact that water, if water isn't, doesn't remain in its free flowing state or uh, gets moved into an unnatural state, which if you didn't know this, like water moves in a very like circular spiral pattern, it's constantly mm-hmm. changing and moving. It's never still, it's never just going in one direction. Yeah, it's kind of like. Like if it was going down a river, picture all the water molecules in little groups right. spinning in a clusters circle. moving around. So it's a bunch of clusters moving like their own circles. It's so weird. And when you look at just nature in general and look at everything that is life, you start seeing these spiral patterns show up everywhere else, like in weather, tornadoes, waves. If you see a wave crashing over how mm-hmm. it kind of spirals like yeah, that. Yeah, it does. Sea, sea, uh, seashells. Yeah. Yeah, seashells. I mean, you're getting into like, you know, all this sacred geometry, Fibonacci sequence. Exactly. And it's really interesting that water is just, you know, a piece of that Mm -hmm. is connected to all these other things, including the galaxy. The galaxy that we live in is a spiral, a clear spiral. Yeah. Black holes or. Yeah. Everything is moving, ever changing. So interesting. So it's possible that water is most alive when it's flowing in that natural pattern. And so these researchers believe that when water is, you know, controlled by humans or comes in contact with humans that we slowly kill it 
Because if you didn't know like where your water comes from when you're at home, it comes through pipes from miles and miles away. And these pipes are all coming in straight lines and at right angles most of the time. They don't like make all these like spiral pipes <laughs> to keep the water moving in a natural yeah, state. They don't know. Yeah. But even if it was a spiral pipe, if it was in a pipe, it'd probably be confined. It keeps and it all moving. together. It keeps all the molecules together. It keeps it. Even if it was a spiral. Yeah. If it was, as long as it's spiraling, it has to be moving in a, in a, in it has to be spiraling, but it also has to change directions as well. So yeah, okay. it would be a little bit more involved than just having a spiral pipe going underground. Okay. Like it would have to spiral then boom, boom, and then spiral the other way and just keep it going in all these different Weird. directions. So the idea is that because it's coming in, you know, in these straight often right angles that it's, you know, sort of smashing and getting broke water molecules are getting broken down. The energy's getting uh, killed essentially. So by the time that your water gets to your cup, it, it could be pretty much dead at that point. Like there's not any of that active energy that our bodies need left in it is Which the I'm idea. Sure a lot of people out there that just can't <laughs> like think like this are like, what do you mean? Water's dead. Like what? It's, it's kind of a weird concept for sure. But you know, if you look at it, if you look at waters, you can actually create crystal formations in water. And when the water forms are healthy and living, there's more hexagonal crystals versus water that's dead yeah. that doesn't produce as many. So it's, it's really energy. Like, I just don't like this dead term. It doesn't like make sense to me, but it's de-energized water. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. That's I mean, that's water exactly lacking what it is. the natural energy that it's supposed to carry that, you know, we're supposed to clearly supposed to have since we're made of it. And that good energy, right? Like crystals and and, you know, mm -hmm. crystals give off good energy. So. It's, it's that, it's that whole idea. And so when you look at it in the way that it comes to us, some believe that waters actually can like tap waters containing negative energy and affecting yeah. us negatively. Yeah. And you know, I have to say, um, we drink distilled water. We'll talk about it a lot. Josh got us onto distilled water and it's like, I used to give him so much shit for it, but now I like can't drink tap water. If I drink or tap water, it tastes dead water. to me. That's actually a good way to explain it. Maybe. That's how I feel. When I do taste it, it tastes like dead, especially if it's been sitting in a cup, like yeah. for even a couple hours, That's like when if it's you most leave dead. distilled water overnight on your dresser, you can drink it the next morning. And it tastes the same, but if you leave tap water, it's like, it tastes horrible after yeah. it's been sitting who out there it's like gross, you know, gets a cup of water at night and then the next morning, like gulps it down, especially if it's like just <laughs> yeah. regular tap yeah, water. Most people chuck what's left of it. Cause it's nasty in the morning. Yeah. I always did that. But growing up. I had no idea when I started drinking distilled water that like when I could still drink it the next morning, I was like, what? That's so weird. It tastes the same. Um, and like we make our own, I, I hate to be like, Oh, we only drink distilled water, but we actually, but there's reasons for yeah, that. And is. we'll talk about that mm -hmm. because yeah, I mean, as you're about to find out, the shit that's in our water, even after it's filtered, and when our cities and you know counties tell us that they're cleaning our water before sending it back into our homes, it will fucking shock you. Like, what's in yeah, it? Yeah, dude. Oh, my gosh. Like, we'll run our distiller for just, I don't know, like maybe four gallons of water. And after that, there's like this gooey kind of tan creamy nastiness smells. At the it's horrible i mean it would freak you out like i can't believe it's in the water it, it's disgusting it looks like toxic sludge yeah, honestly and i hate to scare people because i know like not everyone's drinking distilled no water, i mean uh, the majority probably are drinking just filtered water from their fridge yeah, or which you is know. better than tap still 
any type of purification is going to be better than just straight. straight but up. I know people that just drink straight tap water and are yeah. like, oh, it's, it tastes fine. The other day I was in the bathtub <laughs> and I was really fucking thirsty, but I was cold and I didn't want to get out. You drank out of the tub? Yeah. No, not out of the tub <laughs> water. I drank out of the faucet though. Oh, I thought you like I took turn- your hands and were like <laughs> drinking out of your hands. Anything's wrong with me. There's soap and shit in there. Oh yeah. Okay. But. I turned on the faucet and like took a little sip and like a dog. Oh like. yeah. Like Lily does, <laughs> but it was gross. It was fucking yeah. disgusting. Like, I remember horrible. as a kid, like drinking out of the garden hose outside, yeah, like when like, it was a hot day, yeah. my dad would be like, Oh, just take a drink out and I'm drinking it. And Tastes I mean, like when, sick. when you haven't had distilled water or, yeah, you know, you really filtered notice. purified water, you don't, you don't really notice the difference, you mm-hmm. know, until you have that. And I hadn't had distilled water yet, really. Or I had a couple times because the whole distilled thing comes from my grandparents. Actually, they've drank distilled water for as long as I can remember. They're very like new agey Eastern medicine. Um, and that was something they learned early on is that distilled water is is one of the best types of water to drink because it is so pure and you know doesn't have all that shit in it. So yeah, and his grandma's 90 years old and like just in excellent condition mentally Seriously. at least her brain is like that's the most amazing thing perfectly. yeah she's sharp. very woke she she also is like you have to have crystals like she she knows yeah she's she believes in psychics but and yeah so everything. she passed that on to you and then you got then me i passed it on to you because yeah you used to give me so much shit yeah because i was like what do you mean water is water it's just water you brat yeah but then once i got used to it yeah i was like and i think once i showed her like all the uh, remnants left over from tap water because that was tap water being yeah distilled sick it's crazy so and the reason why the tap water is so disgusting is because there's over 1000 man-made chemicals that are chemicals that our bodies filter out of our system with water in our waste because once the water from our waste is flushed, it goes through a system that treats the sewer water and then cycles it back to us. That's what a lot of people miss is like all of the sewage water and everything all goes to the same water treatment plant and they filter it out and then they, you know, do a few things, throw some chemicals in it, but then they pump it right back to your home and you could be showering in water that has been, you know, in somebody's toilet 50 times over. And obviously you know, they're able to clean it to some extent. Not, that's why it's not like brown and disgusting. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine if, you I know, know, it's sick to think about that though. Ugh. And I mean, some people do have to have to bathe and stuff in like dirty water, but all of our water is dirty because yeah. all those toxins that we're flushing out into the water, not all of it can be filtered. So when I'm taking a bath, I'm probably absorbing toxins as well as the magnesium. Yes, <laughs> because you're not you're not bathing in distilled water. Yeah, so that would be really yeah. Imagine that. I only bathe in distilled water. <laughs> Keep my distilled water. I know you need a huge distiller for that. Yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's a little alarming when you think about like you know obvi- obviously you know we all I mean I'm not I bathe in tap water and. You know, I'm probably absorbing stuff. You're so real. I know. You're just one of us. I know. If it were up to me, I would not. But, (laughs) you know, there's this debate with water and and the dirtiness and people are, you know, very against, you know, what we're saying because they're like, oh, well, we're all fine. And the levels of any of the toxins are so minimal that they're not going to have an effect on you. But it's like, Mm. how do we know that for sure? Right. Yeah, we don't. They don't think it's going to have an effect on you. (laughs) They don't. So as we were talking about, you know, water has has this energy and over time it loses its energy. And, 
you know, people believe that water could even have this like conscious side to it where it can sense negative and positive energy, as well as some researchers have looked at if water can speak our language. There's actually been experiments done with water that exposed it to certain words or vibrations. I mean, at the end of the day, it's actually the vibrations that are really uh, affecting the the water and the water reacting to it. So the first, uh, the water that was first exposed to the word arigato, which is Japanese for thank you. And after it was exposed to the words, you fool, um, it was, uh, when the water was given a positive word, it created beautiful crystals, but not when the negative word was said. So how does it know? Our language, though. Well, I mean, that's we don't know. I mean, we don't know why. But when this particular Japanese researcher said a positive affirmation to the water, he got beautiful, beautiful crystals. And then when he said something negative to it, he did not. So water speaks Japanese. Apparently. (laughs) But they did another experiment where they exposed to different types of music uh, and then froze the water, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, Cause this is legit. Like I've seen something like they this. played like classical or Beethoven or Mozart to one of them. And you get these beautiful, magnificent ones. Um, yeah. It like super detailed crystals. And then when they exposed it to different type of music it was totally different looking crystals. So it's like, what is happening there? Plants are the same way. And I wonder if it's because they're mostly water too, um, that they react really well to classical music. Mm hmm like symphonies and stuff. It's really cool. It is really cool how they know the difference. Yeah. I mean, and obviously I don't think it's like, Oh, we like Mozart better than we like, you know, Nickelback, but it's like, (laughs) (laughs) I think water's a big Nickelback fan, actually (laughs) (laughs) hardcore Nickelback. Look at this photograph. (laughs) No, but I think don't even (laughs) every time it makes me laugh. No, no, no. It doesn't make you laugh. Oh, Nickelback. Okay. But it's definitely, you know, I think it's definitely the vibrations and the frequencies of that music that yeah. the music is or the plants are really communicating with. This other experiment was really interesting that he did as well. He took three glass jars that were filled with rice and water. And each day the scientists would say thank you to the first jar. You're an idiot to the second <laughs> jar and completely ignored the third jar. And after a month, the first jar, the one that he said thank you to, started to ferment and give off a pleasant smell, while the second jar that he's called an idiot turned black. And the, the third jar ignored oh, uh, that he ignored completely started to rot. So it, water with rice in it. Interesting. So we got three different results based upon these verbal affirmations oh, that, that were made to them. that is so weird. I want to see the proof of this. That is I do too. I mean, experiment. I think some people would be like, eh, yeah, let's repeat little, that experiment ooh, a yeah, few times. I want to see the scientific method on this. But, you know, if you take it at face value, it is, it is very it is interesting. Very inter- and I don't doubt that it's possible for sure. But that's just, I, I just think it's weird that they could like, like how could water speak Japanese and know what word he's saying? Maybe it was the tone it's, maybe you can, maybe it can sense the tone or the the emotion behind it, the energy behind it. That would make right. more sense to me than well, that's what we're getting at the word. That's what we're getting at. OK, it's it's literally the the idea that if you speak a positive affirmation, you're sending positive energy to whatever you're saying it to versus if you do it negatively, it's that whole type of thing. So it's like water's alive. It can receive our energy and vice versa, that type of thing. But one thing that is detrimental to our water and us is the amount of chlorine in our water system. Oh, when we bathe, we are exposed to 10 times the acceptable oh, amount of chlorine. Fuck. 
which Seriously? they throw chlorine in there because it kills the bacteria in the water, but it also removes the oxygen in the water as well. So we're drinking chlorine too. Yeah, that's that's part of what's in in the tap water. Oh my gosh! So again, I get tons of chlorine because I I take baths. Yeah, I mean, again though, like people are gonna be like, "Well, it's not a ton of chlorine because it's not like a pool." The levels oh, yeah. are low enough that we don't even pick them oh, up. Oh, right. Like, okay. Okay. Because like, yeah, you go in a pool. Like yeah, right. A you pool is like pool dump well. tons of chlorine though. Maybe if and you, you were can in tell a pool every single day, you'd like get too much chlorine. Yeah. No. But I, what I'm saying is, you know, when there's like it's different. Like people, we don't drink chlorine water because we know there's a shitload of chlorine in it. Yeah, I know. I know. But you can. But I'm saying like people. Like I wonder if like Olympians and people who spend like tons of. Oh like yeah. Michael Phelps is he like getting fuck tons of chlorine? Oh like, yeah. Is the dude full of it? Oh yeah. Shit. He's absorbing tons of it through the skin. I'm sure for as many hours as he spends in a chlorinated pool. Absolutely. I wonder how what that would actually do to you if that'll have an effect on him at all. Interesting. It is. It is very interesting. And what's also interesting is the water contamination in our society. Ugh, so interesting. listen to this more than 65% of the U S has unsafe levels of toxic chemicals in drinking water levels of widely used class of industrial chemicals linked with liver toxicity, development problems, tumor growth, and hormonal disruptions exceed federally recommended safety levels in public drinking water supplies for 33 States in the U S according to re- researchers at Harvard. The chemical contaminants that infest city water supplies in industrialized nations are abundant, including fluoride, chlorine, and many others. So they're doing this to try and, you know, clean mass amounts of water, try to, you know, reduce tooth decay when talking about fluoride. But when you look at it and you look at it under, you know, a microscope and on a deeper level, you start realizing that the amounts that are being used are very inconsistent and in many times are past, you know, even the federal amounts allowed. Like they don't even really know. Cause it's, if you think about it, like how does any of our water treatment plants or systems even know, you know, it's not like they can real time track all the water that's traveling everywhere No, no, or regulate it. It's Mm -hmm. not like they can monitor all of it. So I bet you for sure there's there's water that's way worse out there than others um, oh, going through is. our there is our pipelines and such. But only 91 contaminants are regulated by the Safe Drinking Water Act. Yet more than 80,000 chemicals are used within the United States, Jeez. according to the EPA. Government and independent scientists have scrutinized thousands of those chemicals in recent decades and identified hundreds associated with the risk of cancer and other diseases at small concentrations in drinking water. Regulated chemicals such as atrazine, uh, triclosan, and metallocor found in drinking water samples have been linked to serious human and environmental health problems. (laughs) So like atrazine uh, type of pesticide. Like all that, all the pesticides that are being sprayed on the plants to help grow food for us are then going into the soil, getting into the groundwater, which is where we get water from and into rivers and things like that. So all those chemicals are, are getting back, are flooded back in, uh, levels of widely used class of industrial chemicals called PFAs exceed federally recommended safety levels in public drinking water supplies. PFAs have been used over the past six years in industrial and commercial products ranging from food wrappers to clothing to pots and pans. Literally, PFAs are like in everything. You know, unfortunately, 
the many of the items that we use just have them in it. We don't even know because we don't even know what the fuck these industrial chemicals are. But these PFAs have been linked with cancer, hormone disruption, high cholesterol and obesity. Although several major manufacturers have discontinued the use of some PFAs, the chemicals continue to persist in people and wildlife. And drinking waters is one of the main routes through which people can be exposed, unfortunately. What's crazy is that researchers looked at concentrations of six types of PFAs in drinking water supplies using data from more than 36,000 water samples collected nationwide by the EPA from 2013 to 2015. They also looked at industrial sites that manufacture or use PFAs at military uh, fire training sites, civilian airports where firefighting foam contains PFAs, uh, which are also used at wastewater treatment plants. Discharges from these plants, which are unable to remove remove PFAs from wastewater by standard treatment methods, could contaminate groundwater. So could the sludge that plants are plants generate, which is frequently used as uh, fertilizer, contain these PFAs? The study found that PFAs were detectable at the minimum reporting levels required by the EPA in 194 out of 4,864 water supplies in 33 states across the United States. Drinking water from 13 states accounted for 75% of the detections. California, New Jersey, North Carolina, Alabama, Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York, Georgia, Minnesota, Arizona, Massachusetts, and Illinois. 66 of the public water suppliers examined that served 6 million people had at least one water sample that measured at or above the EPA safety limit of 70 parts per trillion for two types of PFAs. So basically these PFAs, we, we do our best to filter them out, but we aren't, we aren't able to, you know, really control the levels of these chemicals or the remnants of these chemicals that are left over from all these different uses we have for them. And they are unfortunately getting into the drinking water and tons and tons of people are potentially drinking water that have these, these remnants of these industrial chemicals that could affect you long-term uh, health-wise. I mean, like I just said, t- tumor growth. Um, and that could be, these could be really, um, could explain why, you know, cancer rates are up, um, why tumors are up, all these different things, why people are just generally unhealthier because the water that we could be drinking could be contaminated more than we even know. Now, this is really crazy, but Our water is also radioactive. In the United States alone, more than 170 million people are drinking radioactive water, which, again, the controversial part, too, is people be like, oh, well, it's not enough radioactivity to really have an effect on you or effect on your health. But when you when you look at the facts a little bit more, you start realizing that it does affect you and it may just affect you in the long run and and in a way that we're not able to measure fully right now. Because the consumption of radioactive elements may increase the risk of cancer, which is obviously why this is so concerning. Uh, A particular group, uh, the Environmental Working Group, actually studied nearly 50,000 public water systems in all 50 states. And the group found that the water supply consumed by 170 Americans contained these radioactive elements. In 27 states, water supplies exceeded the EPA's legal limits. So this is... Yeah, affecting all of us because it's elevating our risk of cancers as well as harm to fetal growth and pregnant mothers and brain development. What's crazy is that out of this report as well, they found that the state that had the most radium or radioactivity in its water supply was Texas. 
So all of those, all of you guys living in Texas, I would probably stop drinking the tap water if you're just drinking straight tap water because it could be radioactive. Approximately 80% of residents in Texas has radium in its water supply. Again, a lot of people say, you know, tiny bits of radium in your water is not going to do anything to you. It's not going to hurt you. But I don't know. It seems uh, to be contrary uh, to that. And I and I also wanted to talk about Flint because that was a huge, huge thing uh, for us as Americans in 2011 um, in the state of Michigan. They took over Flint, Michigan's a city or town in Michigan's finances after an audit projected a 25 million uh, deficit, which this is a, a, a pretty, you know, middle class, lower income area, you know, blue collar jobs, that kind of thing. So this is not like a rich and wealthy area by any means. But the state of Michigan took over their um, essentially their whole finances and everything in order to reduce the water fund. The city announced that a new pipeline would be built to deliver water from Lake Huron to Flint. And in 2014, while it was under construction, the city turned to Flint River as a water source. Soon after the switch, though, residents said the water started to look and smell and taste funny, which it did. And there's videos of people like turning on their faucet and it was like straight like brown and and looked just disgusting and smelled really terrible. So terrible. So the EPA came in and in 2015, uh, they indicated that there was dangerous levels of lead in the water at residents home, unfortunately, which lead consumption is extremely toxic. It can affect the heart, kidneys and nerves and the health effects in the children, uh, included impaired cognition, behavioral disorders, hearing problems and delayed puberty just on the the most minimal part of it, which we don't even know what the long-term effects are going to look like for these poor kids that drank this, this poisoned water um, is in the long-term. It's not going to be good. A lot of them are already having like serious trouble. Yep. Because like lead exposure in children, especially like really just works against their but you know, their cognitive development and they have all sorts of problems, learning and problem solving skills, uh, lots, a lot more cases of like ADD and things like that as well. So it's, it's just crazy, but, um, they, they, uh, yeah. So they had to, you know, go and say, what the hell government, why, why are you giving us this water? Like what happened? And, and basically there was like a huge breakdown uh, as far as the oversight on this project and everything, and nobody was really paying attention and while these people are literally being poisoned, poisoned. and it's crazy because this is like, I don't even think the problem's completely fixed now. And no, the government not. has done very little to rectify this issue. And I mean, they have a lot of explaining to do. Somebody needs to be it's held pathetic. accountable for this, which I think like the, I can't remember if it was a mayor or governor or somebody stepped down, I think because of it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, there was not justice for this. This is a, yeah, this is like it's a murder. poisoning by yeah, the government. Not murder, but in some, maybe. Yeah. I mean, people probably will die as a result of this water. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, and and if you remember Elon Musk, remember he said he was going to go on and, and do it himself, go on and build new uh, pipelines and things like that, which I think he's followed through with that promise. But God, can't even imagine like. Even, you know, even if we bathed in the water like that, our bodies would absorb that lead. If there's fucking lead in the water, that's, I mean, we probably wouldn't know. I mean, yeah. 
So bathing, if you're taking a bath filled with lead water, like, can you imagine? God, that's really freaky. makes me want to fucking test the tap water here. Yeah, we should test. The we should tap do a water test. Here. We'll we'll do a test on can it. Can we do a water? Yeah, let's test? get a water test and test okay. the tap water and see what's in it. All right. Because now I'm fucking curious. Yeah, I want to know what I'm absorbing in the bath. I feel like a SpongeBob in there. <laughs> Seriously, though. So yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a really huge issue. The toxicity of our drinking water is not in a good place especially for a country like America, where, you know, all of our systems are supposed to be so much better than everywhere else in the world. And, and what we're going to be talking about next is fluoride and how, uh, fluoridated our water is as opposed to like Europe and other countries around the world where they don't even do that anymore. Yeah. And, and our reasons, our government's reasons for, for doing it are very fishy. All right. Let's talk about fluoride which is a very very controversial Mm -hmm. thing i didn't even really realize how controversial it is is. because a lot of people kind of just laugh at people like us who are like even questioning that fluoride could be bad for us or that the fact that you know our government and our systems that are in place to provide clean water to us are giving us uh, fluoridated water so i'm sure a lot of people didn't even know that there is fluoride in our water put in there Yes. And one thing I do want to make very known is that there's two different types of fluoride. There's natural fluoride and then there's synthetic fluoride. And what we're taught, obviously natural fluoride that is just a mineral found in, in rock. Like we have fluoride right here, you know, that, that is not harmful to us. It's the synthetic fluoride mm-hmm. that they use in our water and chemicals, things like that, that is harmful. So we're talking about synthetic fluoride, not just natural fluoride here. So water fluoridation is obviously the practice of adding industrial fluoride chemicals to water for the purpose that they say of preventing tooth decay and cavities. And this has been taking place in the U.S. since the 1940s. So weird. As of May 2042, the 50 largest U.S. cities had water fluoridation. Dude, you know, what's so interesting is like I feel like between like 19... 25 and 1940 like we started getting really controlled or 1945 like it's when a lot it was of the it, world wars dude yeah was it you think yeah i guess it could have been but it seems like that's one. when we started getting controlled a lot because that's when they banned marijuana in the 30s you know there's like a bunch of uh things i can I mean, it's just really weird. It seems like that time period is when they started shutting a lot of shit down. Well, and I mean, and I mean, if you look at it like from a very open-minded perspective, you could start maybe coming to a, a realization of it seems that whoever was truly in charge of the planet at that time, whether it was the different leaders or the leaders of the United States at that time, both president and, and people we probably even know about, it seems that there was almost like a world domination sort of agenda starting to yeah. unfold. And, you know, obviously us Americans were told that it's because we're fighting, you know, either communists or or the Nazis, things like that, who are trying to do it. But if you kind of look at the reverse situation there, it could look like we were attempting some type of world domination in a way, the way that we sort of through these world wars spread out, Mm. built bases everywhere around the world and put our troops in all these different countries. I mean, the U.S. is in like literally every country we're involved in some way. So you, the argument can be made that it was really the U.S. So it's like you said, it's interesting that, you know, the fluoride started all these things like cut the, you know, psychedelics out. Like yeah. no, no. And then get them nothing on fluoride mind opening. Yeah. Which, which as we're going to talk about today is something that 
possibly could be closing your mind. Right. Could be affecting our, our spirituality. It could be affecting our consciousness, which we will talk about (laughs) your woke bone. That's great. (laughs) But as of May, 2042, the 50 largest U S cities had water fluoridation in 2010, 66% of all U S residents and 74% of U S residents with access to community water systems receive fluoridated, fluoridated water which I want to test our water now because I want to see how much fluoride is in it or if we're actually getting fluoridated water. But studies show that fluoride in community water systems prevents at least 25% of tooth decay in children and adults, even in an era with widespread availability of fluoride from other sources such as fluoride, toothpaste, and mouthwash. Additionally, it is argued that adding fluoride in our water saves us money. The average lifetime cost per person to fluoride Fluoridate a water supply is less than the cost of one dental filling. For most cities, every $1 invested in water fluoridation saves $38 in dental treatment costs. So this is kind of the mainstream perspective as to why we fluoridate water, which prevent tooth decay. It's it's being uh, sold to us as like a prevention mechanism for our teeth and that ultimately it's going to save us money by saving our teeth from dentist visits and cavities and tooth decay, which I kind of call bullshit on that. Yeah. Like they're that worried about us. Why don't they put some other fucking vitamins in there and shit like things we need? There's like plenty of things that could really help us. And why would they stifle like the dental industry from like making shit loads of money? Yeah, Why wouldn't they want us to make? Yeah. It's really, it's like, uh, eh, Eh. maybe. (laughs) So, but like, what about people that distill their water? Then they, they're not getting any fluoride. So they're what their teeth aren't rotting. Your grandma's teeth look great. No, I know that. Well, that's the whole debate. And even that whole idea of like, they found 25%. Like I've seen different studies that like re rebute that and say, or refute that and say, refute. re refute that. Refute and say, is a thing, isn't yeah, it? I think like it is rebuttal? too. Yeah. Either one refute? works. Refute. <laughs> but anyway, that whole idea that it reduces tooth decay is, could just be complete bullshit. Like there's a lot of people that think mm-hmm. both sides of that, mm-hmm. but it is important to note that fluoride is naturally in our water because of different minerals and rocks it comes in contact with. Mm. However, our drinking water is treated with something called hydrofluorosilic acid, hydrofluorosilic acid, a toxic industrial made waste byproduct created from the production of aluminum fertilizer, steel and nuclear industries. Great. Which this is like one of the main uh, arguments for there being so much concern around fluoride and us ingesting it. Natural fluoride isn't as much of a concern as the hydrofluorosiliac acid that is added to our water that we consume. Mm. Environmental regulations were put in place where pollution control devices were set up in order to capture the contaminants like arsenic, lead, mercury, silico fluoride and more including the pollution control devices hydrofluorosilic acid so toxic that one needs to wear a full bodysuit and mask to be around it and yet this is treated in our water industrial practices produce millions and millions of gallons of this liquid hazardous waste it costs these corporations thousands and thousands of dollars per ton of water to neutralize and dispose of hydrofluorosilic acid. Because of this, they have instead advertised the acid as fluoride, a product to help with teeth health. Mm. So basically, they're selling the water companies are selling water 
that essentially contain poison as something that's a health benefit ultimately. Cause it, I feel like that's like, so crossing the line, like why, like if someone wants fluoride in the water, couldn't they add their own fluoride? I don't know. It seems like why make that decision for people to right, give us something like it? that? I don't understand like why they're not just giving us like pure water. Like why mm-hmm. are they adding shit obviously to clean it? But yeah. before it comes back to us, I mean, we pay so much in taxes and everything else that I feel yeah. like it should be the responsibility to really fucking distill it all. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Do something like give us you're quality spend money on fluoride, uh, fluoriding it. <laughs> fluoriding and, I, it. and again, like the flip side argument and reason this is controversial is because people are like, well, it's obviously safe to drink because people aren't dropping dead every day and sick every day from tap water. And also people in other countries don't even have clean tap. Water, well, we're not so. really saying it's like going to kill someone or like get them sick. Um, what, I mean, we haven't really gotten into exactly what, what people believe happens to you, but it's more like it affects your like cognitive ability and your like, it's your health. I mean, at the end of the day, whether, you know, it affects your, you know, pineal or pineal gland that, which we'll talk about or not, it affects your overall health. Cause these chemicals have been linked to cancer, oh, tumor so growth. People do think that then. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So, but there's a debate with people that are, you know, for fluoride or don't care about the fluoride that, None of the chemicals that they use or the the amounts that are, you know, these trace amounts that we're measuring are enough to truly cause us harm, which I'm like, that just seems like a very naive to to look at it. Yeah. Doesn't it? Like definitely. It's still a toxic chemical though. Yeah. So like I was saying, the United States, which flor- uh, fluoridates over 70% of its water supplies, has more people drinking florid- fluoridated water than the rest of the world combined, That's which so is very weird. interesting to me that. The U.S. does things seemingly very different when it comes to a lot of our main systems, especially involved with government. Mm. Currently, about 372 million people around 5.7% of the world's population receive artificially fluoridated water in about 24 countries, including Australia, Canada, Ireland, the U.S. and the U.K., Mm, interesting. That's like all of our allies, mm-hmm. right? Direct allies of ours that are yeah. in a lot of ways similar to the U.S. Mm-hmm. in the way that we do things here, or they adopted our ways, or yeah. vice versa. Interesting. That is really interesting. Whereas, like other like really advanced nations like Japan, yeah, ninety seven percent of Western Europe do not fluoridate their water, and yet you look at life expectancy in Japan, and it's far greater than ours. Interesting. And like you said, my grandma drinks distilled water. She's 90 and super, super healthy. It's yeah. like, yep. could, could there seems like there could be a link there. And her just like mental, the state, mental. Yeah. Like blows me away for 90 years old. Like my grandma, I'm about to go have dinner with her. Actually, she has Alzheimer's. And so being around Josh's grandma is like so different, which now they're linking. They think, well, some people out there think that Alzheimer's could be due to, to like, eating something or drinking something oh there's tons of of links that they're finding absolutely cow disease it's weird things too that you wouldn't even expect god what did i just see that they've found a link with alzheimer's there's something weird too i can't remember god Mm. there was something that was like super ordinary that we all do that is like linked to alzheimer's like directly it's really really interesting but in the United States, the oral health division of, of the center's disease control center hails fluoridation as one of the top 10 public health achievements of the 20% or 20th century. So basically the, the government organization that's com, uh, apparently has comprehensive data uh, that says that there's 
or I'm sorry, on the flip side, the World Health Organization, so not a U.S.-based organization, has said that there is no discernible difference in tooth decay between the Mm -hmm. minority of Western nations that fluoridate water and the majority that do not. In fact, tooth decay rates in many non-fluoridated countries are now lower than tooth decay rates in fluoridated ones. So it shouldn't be done. So essentially, the idea that, you know, it's helping our teeth and our health is just completely false. I mean, based upon this, this study. So I don't, I don't know. It seems to me that, you know, we're on the right track with this. And, you know, the people that are anti-fluoride are probably right. But fluoridation is an outdated form of mass medication. Unlike all other water treatment processes, fluoridation does not treat the water itself, but the person consuming it. The Food and Drug Administration accepts that fluoride is a drug, not a nutrient, when used to prevent disease. By definition, therefore, fluoridite, fluoridite, fluoridating water is a form of medication. It's like drugging us. Yeah, exactly. Without our permission. Mm. That's fucked up. Which is why most Western European countries have rejected this practice. Mm-hmm. The public water supply is not an appropriate place to be adding drugs, particularly when fluoride is readily available for individual use in the form of toothpaste. Which, yeah, most toothpaste has some some. Uh, form of fluoride in it unless you're using like tom's toothpaste or you know a non-fluoride toothpaste which is a good idea mm-hmm. but tom's of again Maine. like you said why aren't they leaving that decision up to us the individual yeah. to make versus just pumping it into the public yeah. water supply i mean people clearly got by for thousands of years without even fluoride in their toothpaste or toothpaste or toothbrushes period and I mean, people were still like eating. I mean, people weren't living as long and, you know, I'm sure their teeth weren't lasting as long, but like, it feels like something that you should be able to make that decision on your own. Like, why is the government that concerned about our teeth? Right. It's so weird. Like, when do you why are they so concerned about, about just our bodies in general? And like, yeah, I just feel like you could add some type of like vitamins or if they like, they could add a bunch of vitamins to water if, if they want to like really help us. I don't know. It's so strange that like fluoride of all things. And, and I mean, we're starting to, and I think this is going to only continue, but we're starting to see uh, studies on patients from like the, the seventies that showed um, that fluoride exposures resulted in dangerously high bone fluoride levels and dialysis patients and patients with other advanced forms of kidney disease. Um, there's also growing evidence that indicates that fluoridated water, in addition to other sources of daily fluoride exposure can cause or contribute to a range of serious effects, including arthritis, damage to the developing brain, reduced thyroid function, and possibly osteosarcoma or bone cancer in adolescent adults. The CDC reports that around 40% of Americans have dental fluorosis, a condition referring to changes in the appearance of the tooth enamel from chalky looking lines and splotches to dark staining and pitting caused by long-term ingestion of fluoride during the time teeth are forming. Yeah. Like, do you remember as a kid going to the dentist and being like, all right, we're going to finish things off with a fluoride rinse. I used to love the fluoride. Really? I was lit for it every time. They always had the different flavors. I always get banana and it was so good. Yeah. Hmm. I would like end up sucking it out and they were like, don't do that. Yeah. And I think, I think the last time I was at the dentist, I actually brought up fluoride. I think I asked my dentist fluoride because I just collective evolution. I just posted something about it. Like right before I went in, I was like, fuck it. I'll ask her about it and she just kind of like laughed at me and was like oh no what'd you ask that it i just was like i was like do is there any risks or dangers to using fluoride 
And she just kind of looked at me all weird and like, probably because she knows the conspiracies and thinks it's stupid. Well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of medical professionals yeah. don't like conspiracies about their profession. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. But according to the, uh, the government, the optimal fluoride level in drinking water to prevent tooth decay should be about 0.7 milligrams of fluoride per liter of water. And they are, you know, which is a controversial amount. And, you know, there's been recommended change because Americans now have access to more sources of fluoride. Like we said, mouth rinses and toothpaste that maybe we we can lower that like on top of those two other things the you know, the water is, is fluoridated. So it's interesting that fluoride has never been officially approved by the FDA for the prevention of cavities, you know, like everything all these medicines and and remedies need a stamp of approval from the FDA. And yet fluoride has never received an official one. Isn't that weird? And it was also officially classified as a neurotoxin, uh, according to the Lancet, which is a weekly peer reviewed medical journal. It's being placed in the same category as other poisons, such as arsenic, lead, and mercury. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like whether or not you're you're ingesting small levels of fluoride or not, it just seems like if you look at all the evidence, you know, it's being literally put in the same category as other really lethal poisons. So why are we ingesting it at all? Whether it prevents tooth decay or whatever the fuck they say, you know, like it's like it seems really silly. Especially that neurodevelopment disabilities, including ADHD, dyslexia, and other cognitive impairments are now affecting millions of children worldwide in what they call a pandemic of development, developmental neurotoxicity. Yeah, both of those. Yeah, may, uh, that's what I'm saying. We don't like, has a doctor ever told you why you got those? No, they just said you have it. You're born with it. Maybe it was that banana fluoride rinse. <laughs> Shouldn't have sucked it down. <laughs> Did you drink it? I used to kind of like, you know how it'd sit in the tray. I kind of like suck it. Out. Oh man. I mean, who, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it was. I, no, I got diagnosed young as fuck. I was straight kindergartner. Did your so, parents have you drink tap water? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Well, it's like, like our fridge had like a little filter thing on maybe it. Maybe there is a root cause for all these uh, neurodevelopmental diseases and stuff. Cause if you think about it, it's like, why are we seeing like, so in much increase of, of it. it right it's clearly something we're something doing. is causing yeah it. right yeah and it's mm-hmm. debatable and that's where the whole vaccine and that gets all really touchy for people because mm-hmm. people don't want to consider the fact that things that we've been told for years and years and years that's really helping us could be hurting us mm-hmm. or you know maybe the water that we're imagine drinking. the backlash people would have if that was like proven that it's been hurting us for a while oh yeah it would be catastrophic i mean people yeah. would be super super pissed mm-hmm It's also important to remember that once fluoride is swallowed, it does not directly and slowly collect in your teeth enamel, but it also collects throughout your body's bones and tissues. You can actually get something called skeletal fluorosis when exposed to too much fluoride. It isn't visible, but it's very difficult to distinguish from arthritis. So not only that, but there's other types of uh, diseases and ailments that you can get from too much fluoride. But one of the most startling facts is that fluoridation has been shown to have worse impact impacts on those with low incomes. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem here. And that's, that's why I almost felt bad doing this episode. Cause I was like, Oh, this is going to make like so many people like worried about their water and they won't be able to like really do anything. Like maybe they can't afford to get into a distiller or 
whatever it is, or just a water filter. I mean, there, and we'll yeah. put, we'll put a lot of info in uh, the descriptions for you guys so that mm-hmm. you, if you are interested in getting rid of the fluoride in your drinking water, at least there's affordable filters you can buy. Really? Yeah. Oh, uh, that just filled uh, like a, almost like a Brita type thing. Oh, okay. Um, which Brita might even filter out fluoride, but there's a specific one that I know that has a filter that filters it out. But obviously That's like one of know. the best ways is distilling because it mm-hmm. removes everything from the water. Um, so you hundred percent know you're getting all the toxins out and everything, mm-hmm. but and I'll I put think links you can, to that. You can get these jugs so that like, if you don't want to get a distill, you want to buy distilled water, you can get these oh, yeah. like, really big jugs and get them refilled so that you're not like wasting plastic. I don't think you can do that for distilled though, but you can really? do it for, no, no it's I'm just purified. Sure really? Yeah. I wish there was, I would have done it. Deep rock I've looked everywhere. Distilled? No, no spring water. Oh, purified, mm. maybe reverse osmosis, which is also pretty good, but it doesn't do as well as uh, distilled. Mm. Well, it's good to know there's like somewhat affordable ways because it's a, you know, it's, it is a good investment to invest in something you're going to drinking every day. You're having every day. Yeah. I mean, it's literally keeping you alive Yeah, and could prolong your life, which there's been um, links shown about connections between cancer and fluoride, which you talked about. It can, um, there's evidence to suggest that fluoride can cause an increased risk of osteosarcoma, which is a type of cancer, which has been studied at Harvard actually throughout the years. And many recent studies have compared the rates of osteosarcoma in areas with higher versus lower levels of fluoridation in Great Britain, Ireland, and United States. These studies have not found an increased osteosarcoma in areas of water fluoridation. So there is links and there isn't links. I, I just think there hasn't been enough studies. There's not enough things being done to really say definitively whether or not, you know, long-term fluoridation of water is, uh, you know, directly linked to cancer or not. I just don't think there's been enough studies there, but we are seeing some evidence of that for sure. Now let's, let's get into the conspiracy part of this. Cause this is, this is interesting. And probably a lot of you out there have, have heard this, this conspiracy that, the government essentially puts fluoride in our water supply in order to negatively affect huge populations, obviously of people for their own financial gains. And that fluoride is actually a strong tranquilizer in some <laughs> sense in disguise. And essentially the, one of the theories is that the U S wants their citizens to basically turn into zombies. Right. So like sheep. So essentially by giving us fluoridated water, it's essentially affecting our, uh, pineal gland, as well as other parts of our brain and bodies, essentially dumbing down our intelligence and making us zombies, quote unquote, you know? So some believe that big companies such as Kellogg's, Nestle, Crest, and other food companies are all in on it as well. And a lot of these chemical companies are as well, which we talked about. Um, I'm blanking is on his name right now. The, um, God, the chemical guy, the, the five families, D starts with a D DuPont DuPont. Jesus. Sorry. DuPont chemical guy, the DuPont chemical company and all these other chemicals that are using one of the uh, five families. If you don't know one of, yeah. One of these types of chemicals to sort of poison all of us. And you know, the conspiracy is, is that, you know, they're trying to control us in one way or another. But according to this particular conspiracy theory, the name of the company with the biggest profit to be made from water fluoridation was Alcoa, aluminum company of America. Alcoa had an unlimited supply of toxic waste, a byproduct of aluminum, a.k.a. fluoride. At their lab, an Alcoa-sponsored biochemist did a test on rats back in 1939 that showed cavities were reduced with fluoride 
fluoridated water. This means that the public proposal that the U.S. should fluoridate its water supplies wasn't made by a doctor or a dentist, but in fact, it was an industry scientist working for a company that was also threatened by fluoride damage claims. Another part of the theory is that during the Second World War, industrial fluoride pollution increased because of the production and extensive use of Alcoa aluminum in aircraft manufacturing and just all sorts of arms manufacturing during the war. And it was after the Second World War that many governments began to put fluoride in our water supplies to protect people against cavities. And like we said earlier, hmm, is there is that coincidence or was there some deeper um, mm-hmm. intention in mind that they had mm. conspiracy theorists have also argued that there that it was a communist plot to weaken the american public health many have argued from a moral and ethical view that the public haven't chosen to be consuming it and so yeah. it's against individual will i think it definitely which is. i think is yeah i think it's pretty valid like how dare they put a drug in our water and then tell us we can't use certain drugs like but then force feed drugs to us right it's like the most backward shit i don't understand it doesn't it really doesn't make sense they control everything it's so annoying from an economic standpoint public money is being used on something without definitive proof of benefits as well some dentists and medical professionals have even said fluoridation of water isn't the best way to reduce tooth decay so it's very controversial it's not like this is like some unanimous decision by all dentists 100% proven by science that this is going to is going to you know increase your teeth lifespan or enamel or whatever uh they're proposing at all i mean it just seems like Very questionable. But the first large fluoridation controversy occurred in Wisconsin in 1950. Fluoridation opponents questioned the ethics, safety, and efficiency of fluoridation. New Zealand was the second country to fluoridate, and similar controversies arose there as well. There are also theories involving claims that fluoridation was motivated by protecting the U.S. atomic bomb program from litigation, that it is part of a communist or New World Order plot to take over the world, of course, that it was pioneered by a German chemical company to make people submissive to those in power, and that behind the scenes it is promoted by the sugary food or phosphate fertilizer or aluminum industries, or that is a smoke screen, or that it is a smokescreen to cover failure to provide dental care to the poor. Mm-hmm. So again, obviously that's that's up for you, you know your yeah, debate. Debate, exactly. But outside North America, water fluoridation was adopted in some European countries. But in the late 1970s and early 1980s, Denmark and Sweden banned fluoridation when the government panels found insufficient evidence of safety. And the Netherlands banned water fluoridation when a group of medical practitioners presented evidence that it caused negative effects in a percentage of the population. Additionally, there are conspiracy theories that Hitler gave people in concentration camps fluoride water to keep them docile and unable to resist Nazi power. And a lot of people that are against anti uh, or fluoride say that this was likely true. And, you know, obviously we don't know because there's no credible evidence to even say that they were given fluoride water. But it is one idea. Ian E. Stevens, a writer for the Australian alternative news magazine Nexus, claims he was told by a chemist and researcher, Charles E. Perkins, who wrote the book the truth about water fluoridation that the Nazis envisioned a far reaching plan of mass control and reduced population by using a medication in water that could cause uh, st- sterility in women. 
Oh, to like, oh. That it was kind of, it was part of their world domination plan essentially was Whoa. to fluoridate or, you know, fluoridate the water. That's really interesting because we have like serious issues with infertility. Like the in- infertility rates just keep going up. Interesting. Maybe it has something to do with the fluoride in the water. Maybe. Mm. But additionally, numerous studies by Harvard and China Medical University have shown that fluoride may be linked to reduced IQ in children and even suggest that it could be toxic to a developing brain. Fluoride at high levels has been shown to destroy the male reproductive system in rabbits. Oh, poor rabbits. Fluoride has even shown to lower the thyroid function. It it ruins the reproductive system of rabbits Mm -hmm. if it's in their water. High levels of fluoride, though. High levels. So not just water now. Well, we got to check. The, our water, our tap water. You know what? I'm going to switch the bunnies over to distilled water too. Everybody's drinking distilled here. Yes. <laughs> it's only fair, right? Yeah. I'm about to go change theirs. What the fuck? I did not know that. Yeah. Wait, it ruins their produ- reproductive system in, though? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't want them to reproduce, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. In high levels too. We're not talking about low levels, like, but you know, okay. what's a high level, right? Yeah. But another part of the conspiracy is that Perhaps the pharma industry is filling our prescription drugs with fluoride and we don't even know it. For example, the antidepressant called Prozac is approximately 30% fluoride by weight and marketed as an antidepressant. Even while a major side effect of its use and or withdrawal is suicidal depression. Modern psychiatry often treats depressive disorders as an organic disorder of the brain, targeting serotonin reuptake by any chemical means necessary. Fluoride and uh, fluoxetine, in fact, may accomplish their intended therapeutic effects by poisoning the pineal gland. Perhaps the primary reason why Prozac causes a fav- favorable reaction in those who are treated with it is that it disassociates that person from the psycho-spiritual conflicts that they, that must normally su- they must normally suppress in order to maintain the appearance of sanity and functionality in society. It is control and not health that is a goal of such treatment. So again. I don't know if whether or not that's true or not, but if it is, it is very interesting um, to think about, especially Prozac, which I don't know yeah. if any of you out there who I'm use sure Prozac, I know it's a very popular very, antidepressant. I so. was put on it at one point. I got off of it because it didn't have, it didn't sit right with my body, but yeah, tons of people are on but it. 30% fluoride. I mean, that's, that's wow. quite a bit. Yeah. Kind of scary. So let's talk about how fluoride impacts and fluoride water impacts your pineal gland, which if you don't know what the pineal, uh, pineal gland is or pineal gland is, you have to travel deep into the center of your brain and you'll find a pine cone shaped gland. It's very small. It's only the size of a grain of rice, but this tiny gland plays an essential role in how we sleep, perform, make decisions and perceive reality. The pineal gland acts as the body's light meter. It receives light information from the eyes and then sends out hormonal messages to the body. Oh, interesting. So it's responsible for the sleep-wake cycle, which is really interesting. A healthy functioning pineal is essential for psychological development. This is really interesting. Okay, so I've mentioned her before. Um, Shout out to Stephanie. I know she's listening because she listens to every podcast, but she's a subscriber that I've became friends with because she has Cushing's syndrome or Cushing's disease. She has a pineal gland tumor and a uh, pituitary tumor. And she was telling me like one of her biggest symptoms is like the wackiest sleep schedule ever. Like yeah. she's like, I yep. sleep at whenever the fuck. That's like, because just, her, you know, circadian cycles like all fucked up too. Like that's your whole wake sleep cycle yeah. and her brain's not interpreting light versus dark. So 
Yeah. It could be the opposite for her where it's yeah. dark and it feels like daytime. To well, she her. just had it taken out. So hopefully that, which helps. is crazy because like your pituitary is at the front of the brain and then in the center behind yeah. uh, is the uh, mm-hmm. uh, pineal gland. So yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah. And like, what's really interesting about these glands in general is like we science like really doesn't know that much about them. I mean, we don't even know what the, you know, until recent times, what the physiological function of it was. Yeah. And we still don't even totally understand it. And it's pretty much can, like in the spiritual world is kind of considered the third eye. It is that that's exactly what it is. It's third eye. Cause it's, it's like behind your eyebrow, like not right behind it, but like further back in the same spot, like yeah. in the center, but like, it's really interesting. It's like the center of your brain kind of, well, kind of. It's just so interesting. But, but I mean, and the reason why we even have that information is because it's been a part of mystic traditions and in esoteric schools and different groups all across history. I mean, this is something that's been been talked about and known about for a long, very long time. And to now to know definitively like the third eye is your uh, pineal gland is very interesting. So and think about it. Like if the third eye, if it's really your third eye and this is the area where your consciousness lies, your intuition, ability to freely think intuition, basically your spiritual, your spiritual con- Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I can't believe we're married. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really odd to think about that. That could be where everything lies, like such an important part. And so to think that the government could be trying to ruin that part of us. It's kind of like, what, why do you think they're doing that, dude? It's very conspiratorial, but it's kind of interesting, but it's like, yeah, it's I mean, possible, I don't know 100%, I mean, but I, it's compelling for sure. It's very compelling. And I think it's worth thinking and it about makes sense. Like it just makes sense along with everything else that we have discovered. Well, it especially makes sense to somebody who believes in, you know, yeah. the body having a physical connection to the spiritual world, mm-hmm people that believe that, you know, intuition is real psychic abilities come, uh, come from this part of Uh the brain. A lot of people believe, uh, telepathy, this uh, is why all like, these different so many connections people will literally massage their third eye when they meditate, like massage between their eyebrows, or they'll put like a crystal in between their eyebrows. I've done it. I've tried it so many times. I've never like really felt like anything crazy, but it does. I mean, I meditate pretty well, so I don't know. It's, well, it's it controls all the different biorhythms of your body too. Yeah. It kind of keeps everything in order. Yes. The pineal glands location deep in the brain seems to uh, intimate hidden importance in the days before its function as a physical eye that could see beyond space time was discovered. It was considered a mystery linked to superstition and mysticism. Today it's associated with the sixth chakra. Some theorists believe that fluoride blocks the third eye or this pineal gland. So fucks up your chakra. Right. And essentially so, makes and us the all third eye chakra, right? Your third. It's the sixth chakra, but it's called the third eye chakra. Right. Correct. So the whole idea behind the conspiracy is that the government doesn't wants to, you know, because if you think about it and, you know, if you think about people who, you know, aren't as woke to things as you are, you start realizing a lot of people are kind of controlled in, in many different ways, whether it's the government or, you know, perhaps religion or all these different things and s- social structures and, and, you know, all these barriers that are put up. And a lot of people are kind of stuck in like a sort of a cycle that has kind of been put forth to them, you know, running the rat race per se versus people that are, you know, woken aware to the reality of things and, and know the bigger picture of things 
or have, you know, the spiritual side to them or in touch with their higher self, inner self, um, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I've even heard like uh, the pineal gland um, be called the seat of the soul, like uh, has been nicknamed that like perhaps the, this little gland is responsible for containing our spirit or soul or our, the essence of you and in it, you know, and our body releases it, you know, at death, because it's interesting that, a lot of people believe that this gland actually produces DMT or yeah. dimethyltryptamine, which is a natural compound found in nature, found in your body. It's mm-hmm. a neurotransmitter, just like serotonin and melatonin, that is believed to produce higher states of consciousness. Yes. It's so interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, um, I guess, studies or like, isn't it? How do we know that it releases when you die sometimes? Uh, I don't know the answer to that for sure, but I think that I, there must be a way to measure it somehow. I don't know though, but I I don't know if they've actually been able to measure that. If we know for sure that's fact, Mm. because yeah, I don't know that I've seen definitive evidence that shows that your brain, you know, releases DMT when you die. But essentially people that have had experiences with DMT, which, you know, you can, you can actually it's essentially like a powder. You can smoke it. You can do it through ayahuasca. There's all these different methods to doing DMT, but people that have experienced DMT, a DMT trip per se, have come back with all these profound experiences that sound like higher levels of consciousness, even communicating with otherworldly What's beings. What's so interesting all sorts is of that like people who have near death experiences also have similar things. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's interesting. very interesting. And it is naturally occurring in your body. We do know that. So it is possible you have natural trips. My, you know, as I talked about in the last episode, my, my grandfather had a really bad stroke, um, about three weeks ago and he did actually pass away on Saturday the ninth. Uh, and it was, it was really hard and everything, but I kept wondering like what's going on in his mind right now. Like, cause I've heard like crazy people who have had near death experiences and have come back from it have like such interesting things to say and they never say anything scary. No, it's very it's calm. Very usually like, and yeah. They never come back and they're like, Oh, so scary. I was terrified the whole time. No, they're yeah. like, come back and they're like, it was peaceful. It was, it's white light. It was yeah, warm, loving safe, energy and love and blah, blah, blah. Totally. So I just, I don't know when my grandpa, like I literally stood at the end of the bed while he passed away. And I just kept thinking in that moment, like, I hope it's really amazing and peaceful on, on the other side. Probably very comforting. Honestly, yeah. doesn't sound bad at all. So. Death doesn't sound bad at all. To well, me. both. I mean, Josh sat in, alone in the room with my grandpa after he had passed alone mm-hmm. um, and just kind of sat there and you, you felt the same thing that I did, that it was warm in there. It was calm. It was peaceful. It wasn't Absolutely. like it wasn't, cold and scary. No, that's what I expected it to be. And yeah. it wasn't at all. No, it wasn't. It, it was, was very kind of peaceful. beautiful in a weird, bizarre way. And to, to sit with somebody that has passed, it just makes you really, really see clearly, especially for those that believe in something beyond this life, that your body, your physical body, you know, during this life is just so temporary. And it's just a vehicle for, you know, that your true self, your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to call it. Um, while you're here and while you're, you know, conscious and alive, Mm -hmm. um, in this reality, but it is, it was very comforting. And just, I just kept thinking about, you know, where he might be and what he might be experiencing and, you know, Mm -hmm. what's next really. I mean, it's such an interesting idea, but to sort of wrap up the, the fluoride, uh, pineal gland stuff, uh, essentially we've, we've found, uh, 
actually from a British scientist in the 1990s, Jennifer Luke, uh, discovered that by an old age, the pineal gland contains about the same amount of fluoride as teeth. And we now know that the calcification of the uh, pineal gland gets worse with age and can occur in children as young as two. The accumulation of fluoride forms phosphate crystals, creating a hard shell around uh, the pineal gland called calcification. Oh, that's so gross. And you can actually see pictures of people's uh, glands that have been removed with all these crystals around. It, and it looks crazy. Oh. It looks like it's like kind of swallowing it up and oh, obviously prohibiting its not full supposed to happen. effects to it. Yeah. I mean, and that's where the controversy really is, too, is like people are like, oh, well, the people, there's tons of people that live their life perfectly normal and they had calcified you know, pineal glands, but you know, so but maybe they were closed minded as fuck, but that's the thing is that there, no, these people that are against all this are not looking at it from any mm-hmm. higher level than just like a very scientific, mm-hmm. you know, basis of understanding and not looking at perhaps <coughs> the spiritual aspect to it and taking, you know, taking this gland more seriously than they are. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting. And, and if you're wondering like, well, obviously I've been, ingesting fluoride and, and water, drinking water with fluoride. Like what if my, you know, pineal gland is already calcifying and chances are all of ours are, you know, calcifying to some extent, but there are some ways that people believe that you can detoxify your pineal gland from the fluoride. Um, two primary cases of calcification appear to be the fluoride as well as synthetic calcium causes causes. Yes. Sorry. But obviously eliminating your consumption and exposure to fluoride and synthetic calcium will help stop further calcification in your body. Stop drinking the fluoridated water, guys. Uh, at least steer clear of tap water. I mean, that's that's perhaps the easiest way is if you're drinking tap water, unless you have no other way or, you know, you can't afford to buy like just a little filter thing, uh, which is not that expensive. Um, you know, try to try to do away with that and try drinking uh, alkaline water is actually really good for you. A lot of people have had great results feeling healthier drinking uh, alkaline water um, as well as distilled water, which is what we drink. Uh, alkaline water, I think, is just a lot more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, a, I believe, a, f- a fancier version of it because like distilled water is just like heating, boiling it essentially yeah. to the point where all of it, um, all of it, all of the chemicals and toxins get left behind because uh-huh. it steams it and the steam drops the out, steam. collects the steam. It's a long process, though. That's the yeah, only downside to it. Takes a long it. time. Takes uh, like two hours to do a gallon or like mm-hmm. half a gallon. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's clear um, negatives to fluoridated water. Not only the calcification of the pineal gland, but could cause arthritis, cause di- kidney disease, could lower your IQ, cause brain damage, harms male and female fertility. Basically, all of these different things that could hurt you more than help you. So, at the end of the day, I think. It should be up to everybody's individual choice whether or not you consume fluoride or fluoridated water. What are your final thoughts on on this whole topic of water and fluoridated water? Well, I, I seriously do believe that fluoride is put into our water to affect that gland specifically. That it, that is you the believe intention. that? Yeah, that I really do believe that. I, I think I it's think there's enough evidence, sure. especially seeing what it does to the gland. Like clearly that's not fucking supposed to happen. Plus, I just think it's bizarre that the government's putting any type of drug in my water without asking. Like it's bizarre. You should be able to like opt in on this. How come there's no voting on this? How come we don't do a vote to like decide if we want to have don't, like, fluoride send in water us or not? Even reports on What's in the water and stuff like, dude, I don't even 
people trust the government way too fucking much. That's, that's I mean, that's what it comes down to, to right? Yeah. With anybody that we know that doesn't, you know, doesn't look at things deeper. That's what it comes down to is that they just trust the government way too much and don't think that they would ever do anything that would harm us directly or, you know, make, you know, do things that could have some tor- some term or long-term effect on us, which is just not true. I mean, you look at the evidence and there's just, there's at least enough evidence to have, you know, reasonable doubt on the systems, especially the systems regarding our drinking water and the water that's being pumped into all of our homes. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's good to be informed. It's good to know, know the truth about some of these things. Cause that way you can make your own decision for yourself and you're not just taking, you know, the government's word for everything. And I mean, that's what we're just trying to do is just get that information out there. You do what you want with it, whether you're for fluoride or against it, you know, it's totally up to you. We're not trying to push, you know, we're not trying to be anti-fluoride people or trying to yeah, force you to drink distilled water. You, you do whatever you want, but yeah. here's the, here's the evidence and you take it as, as you see it. So hopefully you guys found this episode interesting. If you did like, and subscribe on YouTube and iTunes, we really appreciate it. But yeah, we've got tons of great episodes coming for you guys. We've got guests coming too, which will be fun. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you guys like the new studio. If you do, give us a big thumbs up if you're watching. But yeah, we will wrap it up there today, guys. Stay safe. And stay woke. We'll see you guys next time.